Good morning, everyone. Welcome uh, to OCC. And today what we're doing is we're starting this new series called Fools on Parade. And what we're doing in this time is we'll be looking at some of the strategies that we use to get what we want in life. Um, all of us, we, we, we have a strategy or we have an approach to getting what we really want. And so in this uh, five-week series, we're going to take a look at and answer the question, why do we do what we do? Why do I do what I do? I don't know if you've asked yourself that, but I have at points. Um, take my day off, for example, just to give you an example of how my strategy um, can blow up. Why is it that I lock on to my agenda for my day off and I struggle to budge on what I want to do with my day off? And you may struggle in the very same way where you, you've worked hard and you want to experience just a, a restful day off or who knows what you want, but you have a plan and, and you want everyone else to cooperate with your plan for day off. Um, for me, one of the things I really love to do with my day off is to go to the beach. Now, the weather's starting to get, um, well, it should be getting better. I mean, today's a horrible example of that. But let's say I really decide I want to go to the beach on my day off, and it's March, you know, because it is March 1st today. And if I share that with my family and no one is interested, but I really want to go, and if I really lock onto my plan and my agenda for going to the beach, the reason why I want to go there is I want to hop in the water throw a wetsuit on, doesn't matter how cold it is, you're, you're going to get wet anyway and go have some fun with some friends. And so if I have this plan to have some beach time and it's March, the family's usually not that, the family, my family, <clears throat> not usually that thrilled about this plan in March. Maybe summertime when the sun is out and the sand is warm and, and all of that. But nobody really wants to go to the beach in March like I do. And, you know, for them, the sand is still kind of cold and sticky and, and it's just chilly. There's overcast. But I'm thinking about what I want to do. I, I want to hop in the water, ride some waves. I want to enjoy some good Mexican foods, at, Mexican food at my favorite um, Mexican food restaurant down there. And I want to have a, a crab burrito. It's my, like my favorite burrito. It's a spot in Carlsbad. And, and if, it's, if it's my plan, I just lock on to that plan. And so if, if they're not having it and they're not getting on board, the temptation, now here's the foolish life strategy in action. The temptation at this point is to somehow stretch the truth a little bit on the weather report. Yeah, I know it's cold outside and raining right now. But I heard Fritz Coleman say that it was going to brighten up. The sun's coming out. You sure? The sun's coming out later on. Stretching the truth is kind of one example of a foolish strategy. And... As we go through some of these things, I hope that you will see yourself in the mirror on some level. Um, you'll see there's a picture up here. I'm going to describe who these characters are. But these strategies or these people characterize some of the approaches as to why we do what we do in life. Why would I lie to, to get what I want? Why would you lie to get what you want? I don't, I don't really know. Um, all the time, I can't always connect the dots, but I think what we're going to do is we'll look at some things going on inside of us to explain why we choose our behavior. It doesn't generally appear uh, that our behavior is just um, strategic. Most of the time, we think that our behavior is, is somewhat a random string of choices. But in the scripture, you find out our behavior is actually motivated internally. There's actually a whole lot more going on on the inside than we would like to admit. 
Um, there's, there's a movie coming out. I'm going to show you a trailer to this movie because I think it'll be a fun way to, to get started on this new series. Um, this is a Disney Pixar movie called In it, or Inside Out. And it gives a fun look at what goes on inside of us, at least according to Disney. And so here, let's take a look at this and then we'll kind of move from there. So, how was the first day of school? It was fine, I guess. I don't know. Do you ever look at someone and wonder... What is going on inside their head? Did you guys pick up on that? Sure Ooh, did. Something's wrong. We're going to find out what's happening, but we'll need support. Signal the husband. Uh-oh, she's looking at us. What did she say? What? Oh, oh, sorry, sir. No one was listening. Is it garbage night? Uh, we left the toilet seat up. What? What is it, woman? What? Signal him again. Ah, so, Riley, how was school? You've got to be kidding me. For this, we gave up that Brazilian helicopter pilot? School was great, all right? What was that? I thought you said we were going to ask casual. Riley, is everything okay? (sighs) Sir, she just rolled her eyes at us. All right, make a show of force. I don't want to have to put the foot down. No. Not the foot. Riley, I do not like this new attitude. Oh, I'll show you attitude, old man. No, 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 breathe. What is your problem? Just leave me alone. Sir, reporting high levels of sass. Take it to DEFCON 2. DEFCON 2. I don't know where this disrespectful attitude came from. You want a piece of this, Bob? Yeah, well, look. Prepare the foot. Keys to safety position. Ready to launch on your command, sir. Go to your room. The foot is down. The foot is down. Good job, gentlemen. That could have been a disaster. Well, that was a disaster. Come, fly with me, Gachinha. So this movie is about... What goes on inside of us and, and what's motivating our behavior. And so you see the, the mom and there's all of these motivations she's experiencing along with some desire for the person she didn't get. And then there's the dad and the things he's dealing with internally. And then there's the daughter. And so wouldn't it be helpful if you could actually get an accurate look at what's going on inside of you? There's so much more to us than what we display on the surface. In the Bible, we discovered this. We discover that our lives are guided by our hearts. Our hearts are, are motivating all sorts of behavior. We typically think of the heart as, an, you know, as the organ that pumps blood through our veins and through our arteries, and that's true, but there's more going on inside. I want to encourage you to take out this listening guide here and follow along with us as we walk through this. According to the Bible, the heart is the real inner me. The heart is the real inner me. All my actions, all my reactions, all my choices, my words, my thoughts, those strategies flow out of my heart. And so we're told in Scripture to guard our heart carefully. Look at Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. It says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. This is, a, this is a verse I've read many, many times. It's a very important verse. Keep your heart with all vigilance. The idea here is guard it. 
the word vigilance is the idea of guarding or you know having putting out a lookout looking out monitoring your heart the way that these words describe the heart you kind of get the idea that the heart our heart needs to be on 24 hour video surveillance we need to monitor what's going on inside of us why well because from it flows the springs of life all the issues of life it is the source it's where everything originates so if i want to change i don't just stop doing this or that it's not a matter of behavioral changes i actually have to deal with what's going on inside of me now i want good to flow from my heart but i can't and you can't just wish your way towards good choices you have to start dealing with some things now here's god's desire god wants our hearts to be dominated by love for him and for people in our hearts Deep inside us, God wants us to love him with all of our heart. This is what he wants more than anything else. When someone asks Jesus, hey, Jesus, what is the greatest of God's commandments? This is how Jesus replies. Matthew 22, he says this. And he said to him, this was his answer to the question of what's the greatest command. He said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest or the great and first commandment. And a second is like, is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. He sums up what God wants for people as loving God and loving people. That our hearts would be dominated with that desire. Um, so that's what God wants. But the problem is God wants that. We've got internal desires that work against it. The problem is our hearts are, are sad. And this is an acronym I want to use here regarding our heart. S-A-D. And that's going to stand for something that we're going to flesh out here. Our hearts are sad. Jeremiah 17.9 states this. The, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Now, this is a concerning verse that... The source of all the issues and, and actions of my life is, is deceitful, and it's sick. It's desperately sick. I can't, I can't even fully understand it, the prophet tells us. In the scripture, though, God gives us an x-ray into the human heart that reveals these problems. And so we're going to go with this acronym of SAD, S-A-D, and kind of walk through what our hearts really are. Look at Proverbs 22.15. This, this is where we get the first of our heart problems. Proverbs 22:15 says, "Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him." The word "folly" there is is a word that means stubborn self-centeredness, stubborn self-centeredness, and we are all born with a stubborn desire to have our own way in life. Our hearts are selfish. That's the first of our heart problems: is our hearts are selfish, and, and this isn't a you know, this is going to be a great feel-good message. We're going to look at some things about our hearts that are problematic. But th- this is something we need to know about ourselves. One way to state this is that I want what I want when I want it. I want to go to the beach on my day off. That's where that comes from. It's a selfish desire and stubborn desire to have my own way. I want to go to the beach. Or what do you want for dinner tonight? I want sushi for dinner tonight. I don't want anything else. Or I want everyone to leave me alone tonight. I want you all to leave the house tonight so I can get some rest tonight. That's what I want. 
Again, that's a selfish, that's the stubborn, self-centered side of us. And that's in our hearts. The verse here says that this problem is bound up. If you look back at this verse, it's bound up in the heart of a child. It mean, what that means, bound up, means it's tied to or it's conspired together with the heart. Folly is mixed in the heart. And it's so deeply rooted and so tied to the human condition that we don't even notice our stubborn self-centeredness. It just feels right. It feels natural to demand to go to the beach, to demand to eat sushi. And, and it starts right off the bat in life. It's not just the terrible twos. It shows up earlier than that. We, we call it the terrible twos, but as soon as we start talking, it's like, yes, no, mine. That's mine. It's mine. My toy. Mine. That's my toy. For us adults, it's mine. That's my day off. Or mine. That's my money. This, this, we battle with this folly. Folly, again, is a stubborn self-centeredness. In another place, two more of our heart problems are revealed. It's Ecclesiastes 9.3. Look at what this says of our heart. Also, the heart's of the children of man are full of evil and madness is in their hearts while they live. So all through their life, full of evil and madness. After that, they go to the dead. So this verse reveals the second you know, heart problem and the third. The second heart problem is that we're arrogant. So not only are we selfish, but we're also arrogant. Great. <laughs> Again, this is a real problem for us. Arrogance is we see ourselves as more important, and we demand for ourselves more than we really do. In Ecclesiastes 9.3, if you forward, yeah, look at this part of the verse again, Ecclesiastes 9.3. The hearts of the children of man are full of evil and madness. This word madness here is the Hebrew word haoleloth. Haoleloth. It, it means self-praise. Self-praise is, you know, I praise myself. This comes very natural to us. In our hearts is the desire to praise ourselves. The Hebrew word sounds an awful lot like the word hallelujah. Hallelujah is where we praise the Lord. It means praise the Lord. Hallelujah means praise myself. Now, self-praise is in our hearts. Arrogance is in our hearts. And here's how it sounds. I understand that you want to go to uh, Italian tonight, honey. But I've had a rougher week. And I deserve sushi. So it's the I deserve is the arrogant side of us. And I'm sure you had a rough week, but mine was rougher. And the least you could all do is give me a little bit of peace and quiet so that I could get what I really want. It builds off our selfishness, but the arrogance is the entitlement that, that comes out. So that's our second heart problem. Our third heart problem, same verse, Ecclesiastes 9.3, it's that our hearts are damaging. We're willing to strike out. We're willing to damage others to prevent people from blocking our goals. And we will even retaliate if they do. You might be thinking, no, not me. Well, remember, your heart is deceiving. It's it's deceptive. It's desperately sick. It's deceptive, meaning you don't even know that the problems exist in there. But they do. So it's the word evil. If you look at 9.3, Ecclesiastes 9.3, hearts of the children of man are full of evil. The word evil in Hebrew is just a general term. It just means bad, evil. And all of us, we have the ability to lash out at people whenever they block our goals, whenever they get in our way and don't let us go to the beach, whenever they say, no, we're going to go to this place instead of that place. 
then we have this thing in us that it fuels this desire to just bring harm and damage others. And so you might, it, it kind of sounds like this, the evil side of us is, okay, I understand, so you don't want to go to sushi, fine. We'll go to Olive Garden, put on a smile, get in the car, sit down, just like stabbing the meat, just because i got to eat meat if I'm at Olive Garden, but you know, just making sure everyone knows I'm not enjoying this, I'm not engaging, that's how you harm people is, you give them the cold shoulder. You are short and snappy. There's all sorts of ways where we might retaliate with others. I don't know how it looks for you. But this whole part of our heart, the damaging side, is where revenge comes from. When someone hurts you and you want to pay them back, and you're like, wow, where'd that come from? This horrible thought of payback? It comes from the damaging side of our heart. Now, that's scary. Now, this is really a problem because a sad heart brings disastrous consequences over time. Over time, our sad, which is stubborn, arrogant, and damaging heart, it brings disaster in the future. Look at James 4, 1 and 2. New Testament writer James, he kind of is a guy that just hits right to the point, and he says this, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? It is not this, that your passions are at war within you, meaning you're wanting some things you desire and you don't have, so you murder. You covet and you cannot obtain so you fight and quarrel. You don't have because you don't ask. He goes on and talks about how, how we really, we ask, when we try to get what we want, we're, we're, we're going to the wrong source. We're trying to get our way without really asking God. We're trying to go around God and our passions and desires, they fuel problems in relationships. Quarrels, fights, all sorts of trouble, animosity, frustration, and pain comes down the road over time. If we don't address the heart problems, that's selfish, arrogant, and damaging side of us. Now, if you look at our our bulletin cover, we're going to look at five foolish strategies that flow out of our hearts. And then what we're doing really is we're doing a Hebrew word study on the word fool. And there's five different patterns of living or strategies for living that we're going to um, explain in this series. So if you look at this bulletin cover, the image up here. These are the five different foolish strategies. These characters represent, you know, they're they're drawn to characterize each of these foolish strategies. So each week we'll just flesh out one of these foolish strategies. Today we're going to start with the first one on the far left. His name is Ease, is his name. And go back to the picture real quick. I just want to show you some things about him. The Ease guy on the far left, he's just smiling. It's life is easy. Um, Life is simple. He's looking for an easy way out of life. He's not going to work real hard. He's just taking it easy. You can kind of see that on his face. The second one there to his right is this lady, and she is um, reactive. We're going to look at her next week. And she's got this, you don't want to cross me, look, I will blow up on you. <laughs> and in the middle you see this guy, he's kind of got this goofy smile, and he's, he's look where he's, where he's paying attention, his eyes are, are drawn to the girl in front of him. This guy stands for the fun way and desire, chasing after blindly our desires. And then you've got her in the spotlight. She's taking a selfie. She represents the person that wants the glory. They, she wants to be important now. And then in the background is the last character. His, um, his foolish approach is to be cruel and to really bring harm. He's, 
even predatory in the way that he approaches life. And so I want to walk through each of these foolish strategies over the next five weeks. And the first one is we look, if you flip to the back, we're going to deal with foolish strategy number one. The guy on the far left is ease. Now you might find yourself um, in the mirror as we profile the way that this foolish pattern is described in the Bible. And I want to introduce the strategy of ease with a Seinfeld clip um, with the character uh, George Costanza. I don't know if you ever have watched much Seinfeld, but George Costanza is a great example of the first fool, which is the ease way of life. And he's the best friend of Jerry Seinfeld, who's the star of the show. And Jerry, or of George, has somewhat of a lazy streak in life. He'll do anything to get out of working hard. So take a look at this video clip and see what he does in order to get out of working hard. Can't you grab a nap at work? Not with that big glass window looking out onto the hall. And I love a good nap. It's because it's the only thing getting me out of bed in the morning. Let's see. Uh, George. Have you seen that American League directory? It's um, a big green book. Right here. <laughs> Thanks, kiddo. Shelf like uh, for an alarm clock. <laughs> Wait a minute. Maybe that big? No, no, maybe like this. Thank you. Yeah, like that. Yeah, I can do that. Great. <laughs> you know, this could sound crazy, but what do you think about adding a drawer for like a blanket? Blanket or a quilt? Blanket. That, that thick? Well, maybe like this. Like that? Yeah, like that. That's what you want? That's what I want. Hey, George. You want this cup holder? Uh, you want it mounted on the left or the right or in the middle? Whatever. Oh, 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 oh. This is unbelievable. This is better than my bed at home. All right. It's been a long night. You go home and get some sleep. That's what you want? That's what I want. <laughs> Morning, George. Morning, Mr. Wilhelm. <laughs> so, George, he has this contractor build out a little cot for him and a desk in his desk so he can hide in there and get out from doing any work. And sadly, in some ways, I think some of us can identify with George's desire to get out of work. Work can feel like it's getting in the way. You know, we want, we want the easy way in life at points. We don't want to have to work that hard. And so he doesn't see work as what he's got to do. It's, it's what gets in the way. So this, this whole approach is to take the easy way, to think life is really simple. And um, it's easy to think just like George. Because in our school years, every, every, you know, every school year, grade school, middle school, high school, if you do college, you're always kind of looking forward to summer break. And so you, you have this sense in which I work hard, but then I get to rest for three months. And so you go through this year after year. I work hard and I get to rest. But there's like this rude awakening when you finish school and you hit life. No one really warned me about that. Every summer you have big plans. If I could just get through with, you know, 
the year and get to summer, then life would be good. And um, classes and papers, they pile up, and you're just longing for summer. No one warns us for the fact that in life there's not really much of a summer break. You have responsibilities. If you have kids, you don't get a summer break from your kids. Moms, do you? No? And you long for the days of summer, but it just doesn't exist. But this stuff, again, it comes quite naturally. The life of ease comes naturally. There's a scene from High School Musical that really sums it up. I want to show you this clip. This is uh, called What Time Is It? So take a look at this. The clock is counting down to summer. Now this gets a little unbelievable here, a little ridiculous. I'm not sure if you caught the wording from the t-shirt, um, one of the guys. It says, I majored in vacation. <laughs> you know the star of that, the guy who burst. This is like, it's, I remember when, I, when these first came out, I don't know, was that 10 years ago? About 10 years ago. And they were kind of the craze amongst high schoolers. And, and I watched the first one. It kind of reminds me of like Grease or something like that, the musical. But um, the star of that actually went to the high school I attended. So that's a funny coincidence, I thought. But, but one of the reasons why I brought that up is because we get this idea in our mind that as soon as, as soon as summer hits, I get a break. And there's nothing wrong with vacations. There's nothing wrong with getting rest. But the problem is some of us long to have a whole lifetime of ease. And that's the, that's the description of this character. A life of ease is what most of us desire. If I'm the foolish strategy person. I mean, if this is my foolish strategy, then I want a life of ease. It's all too easy. Now in Hebrew, the word I, I said, we're doing somewhat of a Hebrew word study here. And the, the, the Hebrew word is the kasil. That's the word in Hebrew. And it, it just, it characterizes this person, the person who wants the easy life. They embody this strategy. And this is the first of five Hebrew words who we just translate in English as the word fool. We read it in English and we see the word fool. And typically, you could just brush past this whole idea because when we think of the word fool in English, we think of someone who's mentally deficient in some way. But in the Bible, when it's talking about the fool, it's not talking about a mental deficiency. It's talking about a moral deficiency. And so for this person, their moral deficiency is they they don't want to work hard in life. And so here's a description of this kind of um, fool strategy. The Castile is confident and hopeful, but in the wrong things. This person is always looking for a magic key in life that will unlock the good life. I don't know if you've ever thought, like, I'm just looking for that scheme or that strategy or that get-rich-quick, you know, you read the books that promise quick wealth, and those are the things that allure and, and really draw in the person of ease. But they're, they're putting hope in the wrong things. Look at Proverbs 14.8, describing this character the wisdom of the prudent is to discern his way so a prudent wise person 
They know, they know the right timing and procedure to, to handle life, but the folly of fools is deceiving. So that, that second word, the, the word fools on there is the word casil, describing this easy way character. Their selfish approach is to take the easy way, and it's a very deceiving approach in life. And the casil, this person keeps getting tripped up because they think their way in life is right. And they put confidence in things that are a mirage. They never, they never work hard. They keep looking for the door that will just unlock the good life, but they never find it. They're also lazy. The casil, if you study the verses where this word comes up in the, in the Old Testament, you find out that they're lazy. They have a lazy streak. Ecclesiastes 4 or 5 reads, The fool, this casil, finds his, or folds his hands and eats his own flesh. It's a strange word picture, I'll admit. Folds his hands and eats his own flesh. What this is talking about is instead of working hard, he is folding his hands. He's not going to work. He's folding his hands and he's bringing ruin upon himself. His idle approach in life may appear to be inactivity, but is actually aggressively eating away at life and his life. Warren Wiersbe, he said this, Laziness is a slow, comfortable path towards self-destruction. The lazy approach, is, it eats away at our lives. A common tendency for the casino is also that they're an excessive talker and liar. This is the third thing that you find out. You, you find out the casino has a lot to say. They're talking about their big plans. They're making promises that they can't keep. Proverbs 18, verse 6 and 7 says, A fool, the casino, a fool's lips walk into a fight and his mouth invites a beating. That's interesting. What he says invites a beating. A fool's mouth is his ruin. His lips are a snare to his soul. Have you ever had to eat your words? Or have you been tempted to maybe lie or, or talk your way out of owning responsibility for, for failing to work hard? This is what the casino would do is, is to stretch the truth in order to protect poor work quality or poor work ethic. Um, lying to cover laziness is a part of the, the struggle with the easy way approach. Finally, this person is easily angered. They're easily upset and angered. And they'll blow up to camouflage their laziness. So if someone says, hey, if someone calls them on their, on their laziness and points out, hey, you didn't really work hard at this, they blow up. They get angry. Proverbs fourteen seventeen says, a man of quick temper acts foolishly, and a man of evil devices is hated. It's the same word, foolishly, just a description of this way of living. They're quick-tempered. They blow up. If the casil, if this person were an animal, they would be a possum. Possums play dead. You see a possum, you're like, oh, it kind of looks like a, I don't know if you like having a mouse or a rat for a, as a kid, you know, it's like a big overgrown rat, you know, and, and you know, kind of has a nice, you know, it's just crawling across the road. You got your headlights on it and it doesn't seem that harmful. But if it's playing dead and you're like, is it alive? Is it dead? And you go and poke it. Here's a picture of an angry possum. They'll turn on you. The teeth come out. The casil, this approach in life, this person will get angry when they're caught playing dead. Whenever someone calls them out on their slack work ethic, the teeth come out. The claws come out. The impact of a life of ease is continual disappointment. And if this is what we struggle with, and this, this is the fool where 
when I look in the mirror, I kind of find this. And I think as we go through these five strategies, you're going to identify with at least one, if not two of these things and these characters. And it's to degrees. We're not saying you're a fully committed, easy way person. But our hope is that as we look at these, you'll see, wow, I can see the I can see me in the mirror on some level as we as we walk through these. But <clears throat> anytime we take this approach, thinking I've I just got to find the magic key in life, we keep turning those keys and it just doesn't open up. The reason why is because there's no magic key in life. And this is a hard reality to face. But there's no magic key. There's no quick get rich thing that's really going to bring it together for us. Life just requires a lot of hard work. And we know this. And it's, it's, it can be really disheartening if this is how we struggle and what we're looking for. So what do we do about it? How to move beyond the easy way strategy as we wrap up. Three things. Number one, ask God to help you clue into the consequences. Ask him to help you make the connection to the consequences that you experience in life from this approach and, and realize, wow, this isn't working for me. Look at Proverbs 19.3. When a man's folly, you know, when this foolish approach brings his way to ruin, his heart rages against the Lord. Whenever our way to life that makes sense to us doesn't work, we get angry at God. It's saying, you kind of point the finger at God and you're like, it's your fault. I'm not getting what I really want. Many times we want God to deal with our foolish tendencies, but we don't really want to change. We want freedom from the frustration, but we don't want to change the path that really got us there. And so this, this first step is so important. When we get so tangled up in the web of our problems, um, and we're, you know, when our rage is being directed to God, we have to ask God to help us clue into the consequences and sit with that for a while. And think about the ways that this strategy has blown some things up. The ways that this has frustrated people. One way to do that is look in people's eyes. Have a hard conversation. Ask people, when I did that, what did that, how did you, what was your experience as I failed to work harder, as I didn't keep my word, or as I stretched the truth? What did that do to you? How did that make you feel? Sit with the consequences. Listen to how this impacts people. And ask God, God, clue me into these consequences. Whenever we experience the consequence of this strategy, we enter the classroom of life. But we, we will not learn unless we ask God to, to show us the connection here. Hard Knocks, you know, is a school that you can go to, you can attend it, but you don't tend to graduate. And so just experiencing negative consequences doesn't equal learning. doesn't equal learning. You have to ask God to clue you in to the consequences and then take responsibility for that. The second thing is trust God and work hard. Be known as, as a hard, diligent worker in life, on the job, in the congregation. Be known as a faithful, diligent worker, someone who keeps their word, who, who, who can be trusted, but put your hope in God. Look at Hebrews 6, verse 11 and 12. The writer of Hebrews writes, And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness, to have the full assurance of hope until the end. So that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. The way to combat laziness is really learn to work hard. And the two contrasting words in this passage related to work are earnestness and sluggish. Two contrasting ideas. 
the earnest person, this conveys a speed. This conveys an eagerness to get tasks done. This person does not delay. If you're earnest, you don't delay in completing assignments. You just stay after it. You work hard. On the other hand is the sluggish. Sluggish is the description of laziness. This person doesn't get the job done, just like someone who didn't even hear that they had a job to do. They're slow to respond. They're slow to really listen in to the request. So the last part of this verse speaks to how God's promises really are given to those who trust God and choose diligence. Whenever you chase your dreams, you're always underneath the weight of missing out on dreams and opportunity. And the lie is that we believe that if I work hard in my current responsibilities, somehow I'm going to miss out on what I really want to do in life. And so we run from work and we try to keep taking it easy. The key to overcoming this is really to realize that God blesses the current work that I have. Whatever's on my plate, whatever you're responsible for, God blesses it when you take that seriously. You don't miss out. Actually, good things come as you just handle your responsibilities. God blesses faithfulness and diligence the third thing is to speak the truth if the casile if the easy way approach you know stretches the truth and lies to cover laziness then the the opposite really is to speak the truth to have a pattern of that look at ephesians 4 25 therefore having put away falsehood paul writes let each one of you speak the true truth with his neighbor for we are members one of another he's talking to the church and he's trying to describe an atmosphere of truth and just a culture of truth in the body, in the local church. He wants there to be people that truly know each other. So since the Casile is, is lazy and tends to lie, working hard just doesn't deal with the core issue. It's not just being diligent. You actually have to speak the truth. You have to clean up the lies in order to counter deceit and lying. You just constantly find yourself saying, you know what, I said this. That wasn't all the truth. I need to tell you the whole truth. Or I said this, and that, that wasn't true at all. I really, I lied to you. It's hard to do that. It's hard to clean up lies. I know that. I've done that. It's embarrassing. It's humbling. But it's the only way out from this easy way approach to living. But then this person's mouth is constantly getting him into trouble. Whether it's overstating the work that was done or just flat out lying. Putting away falsehood, what this is really meaning is I will put away the lies. I'll put away the pretense. I'll put away and I'll take off the mask. Anything that aims to portray my status and plans beyond what is really going on, I'll put that away and I'll operate in the truth. And I'll live truthfully. Why is that? Because the community that God wants to build with those that follow him needs to be a team. And so we can't play games with each other if we're really on the team. We can't be a part of a team without building trust. And trust comes as our mouth and our actions in life really line up. So we can't hide who we are. We have to speak the truth. Now, as we've looked through this, I, I hope it's been helpful to you wherever you are. I want to say God, God wants to help. He has the power to help in these areas. If we'll turn to him and we'll stop going our own way and choosing to, just to do life independent from him, God actually can help us turn the corner really begins with a commitment to follow Christ and invite him to be the Lord, to be the one who has saved you of your, of your sins, and then who leads you through life. You submit to him as the boss, as the Lord. But you, actually, you have to invite him to do that. And 
Following Christ is really the only way out of foolish living. You know, you could come and you can start trying to work on these things and change these things. But if you don't invite Christ to be Lord of your life, if you don't really do business with God and, and really um, begin to even investigate what it means to, to, um, to respond to Jesus Christ, um, you won't have the power to pull off the change. He brings the power as he comes to live inside of us. And so if you've not yet chosen to follow him, I'd encourage you to consider it. Um, our staff or leaders, we would love to help clarify what that means to you. Maybe the person that brought you today. Um, if you're in the process, I'd encourage you, get more clarity on what, what does it really mean to follow Christ. Um, if you do turn your life over to Christ, he forgives you of your sin. Immediately you become his child, and he gives you the promise of eternal life. And that, that eternal life actually can begin now. But then from there, he begins to change us from the inside out. He makes changes that we could not pull off on our own. And so I want to invite you to consider that. And we would love to help you in that process. I want to invite our worship team to come back up to the stage here and also ask our ushers to prepare to receive our offering this morning. And we've covered, you know, this first foolish strategy and might be painful to look at something like this. And as we go through this series, it's probably going to get more painful and it might be more uncomfortable. Um, but I really encourage you to um, take this take this listening guide and spend some time. The first next step you see on the connection card is, is this. It's really asking God to show me the connection between the frustration in my life and my heart. Just sitting with God and letting that soak in and and spending some time praying through these verses, praying through this whole issue. And God, why am I so frustrated? Why is this way not working? And just sitting with that. Maybe identifying, what of these heart problems of the selfish, arrogant, damaging, where do I see this stuff causing problems? Or if it's the ease, where do I see this stuff showing up in my life? Asking God to really show you the connections and connect the dots. And then, Second, really processing what it would mean to follow Christ for the first time. If you check out, we'll send you some information about that, and then we'll follow up with you to try to um, really set up a conversation. We'd love to have a dialogue and um, help you sort through what that would mean. I want to invite you to come back to just join us for the rest of this series as we walk through this together. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for... Um, the way that you just uh, show us reality and truth. And Lord, you clarify our struggles and our pain and our frustration. And Lord, you do that so that we would experience a change that could bring good and, and blessing from you. And Lord, we know there's hard things we face in life and some of what we're dealing with in this life is just a result of our sin. But Lord, we, we need your help to change. I ask that you would um, continue to draw to yourself the people that have not yet responded to you. Lord, would you orchestrate events in their life to where they would really turn to you and, and, and get clear on what it means to follow you. And Lord, for those that have already responded to you and our Christ followers here, Lord, I pray for them that they would have the power to change and that 
some of the steps of just admitting where where we go wrong, Lord, that we would do that this week. Lord, help us to get the most out of our time together as we gather. Lord, help us to just not process this here and now, but to take this and to sit with you, maybe even dialogue with others, Lord, as you show us things about our lives. Lord, we do desire to live differently in a way that really would please you. Thank you for each person here. God, you know what we're facing this week. We ask you for help, Lord, in the challenges before us. I pray your blessing over our offering. We thank you for the privilege it is to steward and manage resources. Lord, I pray that we would be faithful, God, to to be uh, generous, Lord, and in, in all areas of our life. We thank you for this offering. We pray you'd bless it. May you use it to further your kingdom. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.